1: Broadcasting from the Annie Up Studio, it's the longest-running poker podcast for the everyday poker player, with your host Joe Scale.
2: Hello, A Team. It's Friday, September twenty-second. Welcome to the Annie Up Poker Podcast, where every hand is an opportunity, every player is a friend, and every episode. is is a winning experience this week we're coming to you from the road literally i'm recording this from the road we've been to new orleans biloxi visited seven casinos and met some great people Elle and i have talked about this on multiple occasions in the past but one of the coolest things about these trips is the people we meet next stop is Bears casino we are working on some stuff for the future from there. We'll keep you posted on all that as we have more information. Also, hats off to our Patreon members so far Kevin Levan, Nick Dunn, Matt Boykin, Ed Gill, Dale Hull, and Chaz Jarvis. They've all joined the raised tier, so we're going to see them in the Anti Up Patreon home game on October 4th. We'll have some fun swag and prizes for those that are in that game as well. And we're going to do a fun giveaway for one of our current members. So stay tuned to our Table Talk segment for that. That's going to be fun. Now, just a word from our show sponsor, Manscaped. When you want to look and feel your best, Manscaped is your best friend. Manscaped is committed to helping men around the world walk and talk with some swagger. And we all know how important that is around the poker table. They have the best grooming tools on the market, hands down. Join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Don't neglect yourself. Get right this fall with Manscaped. Start with the Beard Hedge Trimmer with 20 adjustable links. Then keep going with the lawnmower 4.0 and the weed whacker 2.0 ear and nose hair trimmer and the handyman face shaver. All of them are waterproof and include the skin safe technology to, to reduce nicks and cuts and hair pulls, etc. Once again, Manscaped is kind enough to support anti-up, so show your support for them. Go to manscaped.com and enter the code ANTIUP20 and get 20% off your order plus free shipping. That's up 20 at manscaped.com and you'll get 20% off your order plus free shipping. Look and feel your best with Manscaped. That's all I have. So let's get on with the show. Find out what
1: conversations are happening around the poker table with Table Talk.
2: We are back around the table with L. How are you?
3: I'm good. Happy Friday.
2: Happy Friday. It is a good Friday. We're looking Yay. out at water, which is never a bad thing, from our room. Uh, looking the at the sound. Looking at the sound
3: in the Mississippi. Yep. The M-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I.
2: M-I. crooked letter, crooked letter. <laughs> I'm back, come <I'm laughs> back.
3: <laughs> Uh, that's a good one I haven't thought about that in a while um yeah we're in Margaritaville in Biloxi Mississippi this is stop number two in this quick tour
2: yeah this one is not as much of a whirlwind as our last one but uh, uh, still getting to see lots of properties well actually before we get too far let's start with properties because I know we've you and I have talked about this stuff going on with MGM. And uh, I mean, Caesars was hit too, but there hasn't been nearly as much talk about that. But they, Caesars said that none of their casino or online operations were disrupted, but they couldn't guarantee that all the members information wasn't compromised. So it's a little bit different because MGM was losing reports were between like 8 and $12 million a day.
3: It's a significant uh, bottom line impact, Yeah, I would le- say. But more importantly, the trust of your patrons and folks that are visiting you goes way, way down, especially when you go eight to nine to 10 days. That was what was most concerning to me. Um, yeah. And actually was in a conference in New Orleans this week in a training in tech conference was really cool, um, but actually met someone who trains the uh, the machines on Indian reservations. And she even made the comment that she wasn't even sure that their conference was going to happen in October due to this. So yeah. there's a lot of things that need protocols that need to be addressed and looked at. And I'm sure that community is scrambling right now to find out what happened and why, and to ensure that that doesn't happen again. So,
2: yeah, because it lasted, like you said, I mean, lasted 10 days and it affected everything from casino and hotel computer systems to room keys. People couldn't to even get keys, in their yeah. I know
3: people couldn't even get in their room. They were having to pay out in cash, right? In person next to the machine, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah they that's wild. People walking around on the floor to pay out. And the stories that I saw and, I don't know that there's been any confirmation from MGM, but the stories that I saw were that the hackers were asking for ransom to return everything to normal.
3: So yeah, until then, several days later, they were like, "By the way, we did have mules, and that didn't work." First, I still, yeah. I still don't know if I believe that.
2: So yeah, we'll, there's, we'll see. There's going to be a we'll lot of stories down. that come out of it, I'm sure. So we'll keep we'll keep track of that as time goes.
3: But we did visit an MGM property last night, uh, the yeah. Beau Rivage, and um, we'll talk about that a little bit later. And they seem to be up and running and beautiful, beautiful it's casino. A,
2: that's an awesome property.
3: Yeah, but I mean, really, I'd love to talk about our Patreon members that joined this week.
2: Yeah, so thank you to you guys. I'm just going to give them a shout out one by one here. Kevin LeVan, who was our very first one. He Thanks, was our Kevin! First... <laughs> and then Nick Dunn, Matt Boykin, Ed Gill, Dale Ho, and Chaz Jarvis. And I actually met Chaz on our trip out to the Midwest. I actually met him while we were out there. And he immediately uh, he sent in a call the floor that we broke down this week as well. Awesome. So uh, jumped on as a Patreon member and... Uh, submitting a call the floor. So awesome. Thank you guys.
3: We cannot wait to play a game with you all October 4th. If anyone listening is interested, jump on Patreon and decide which tier you'd be interested in joining. We'd love to have you as one of our anti up Patreon members. And lots and lots and lots of really cool stuff coming your way. If you're there, you'll get to see behind the scenes stuff from several trips. Yeah. Um, You know we can't reveal everything, (laughs) but I think we have a fun. Joe has something fun up his sleeve. He told me earlier this week that he wants to do to reward one of these six, our first six Patreon members. Um, So what you got going on? So
2: I want to do something fun with poker hand nicknames. So we're gonna put you on the spot. Oh gosh, (laughs) as always. (laughs) I'm gonna give you. How do you want to do? You want to. You want me to give you the hand, and you tell me a nickname for it, or do you want me to give you the nickname and you tell me the hand?
3: Oh, for sure, you tell me the nickname.
2: Okay. All right. So. Because you
3: know, you'll never know what I come up with.
2: (laughs) All right. I'm gonna give you five nicknames, and you tell me the hand that it represents. So my
3: favorite's a Dolly Parton. (laughs)
2: Well, what if that was one of them?
3: Well, then I'm gonna get it right. (laughs) <laughs> and our patreon members are going to be super pumped
2: yeah, are you ready sure actually let's let's do let's reveal our name first
3: okay you're on a wheel of name randomizer i promise i use this all the time hopefully i don't know, I don't know if you can hear the spin or not but definitely and it's gonna be ed ed, ed, ed gill Gil. <laughs> all right you're on the line you and i ed hopefully we're connected telepathically somewhere somehow let's work together and get you a any up sweatshirt?
2: Yeah, I don't think we even said what the prize was. So oh, it's Anyup, a sweatshirt. Any up sweatshirt. sweatshirt? Yeah, yeah.
3: We'll get in touch with you for your size.
2: Right. So the first one that I'm going to give you is ducks. What what hand would you call ducks?
3: Like quack ducks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> ducks. Yeah.
2: Think about the shape. Fours. Okay, so we got we got one wrong.
3: That's a so hard one.
2: It's bucket twos, because it kinda looks like it looks like a duck.
3: That's a swan, but that's okay. Hey, the two I is mean, pretty sure. tall. Okay.
2: Alright. This one's gonna be an easier one. What hand would be called snowman?
3: Oh for sure the eights. Got I it. knew I knew that one.
2: Okay. In honor of this trip, right? We came out here we came out here flying on American Airlines. So what hand would be American Airlines? Double aces. Yes.
3: Yeah. How
2: about the ladies?
3: The ladies? The ladies. Queens.
2: Yeah. (laughs) So you've got three right already. Congratulations. All right. But we're going to go through the rest of them here.
3: See, Ed, I told you we'd work together well.
2: But uh, we're going to go through. um, How about hooks?
3: Hook is my favorite movie from the 1990s, just in case anybody wanted to know. Um, Oh, man. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hooks. It's not sevens because that's the sticks. Um, Jacks. Pair jacks.
2: Absolutely. Good job. Can tell
3: I haven't had my coffee yet? (laughs) I'm still working on it, guys.
2: So, yeah, like you said, hockey sticks would be pocket sevens. And pocket fours that you thought would be the ducks are called sailboats.
3: Oh, I can see that. Yeah. This is a hard game for me, being an art teacher.
2: I would think that would make it easier.
3: No. No, it makes it more difficult because I'm used to describing everything to detail. Like, ducks would not be the two that would be a swan <laughs>
2: I mean I get that I can see that you know for sure I mean? yeah I can see that for sure well I
3: love learning these but you didn't give me any combos you, yeah, you gave I, me pairs of things so I mean let's talk about those those are more interesting to me Jackson 5 Dolly Parton what else you got
2: I, I love I love the Dolly Parton but um what do you think uh 10-4 is
3: 10-4
2: yeah it's the called the trucker 10-4 oh, good see? buddy
3: <laughs> yes, I'm fully aware. My father was police officer. Ten four was said a lot in our house. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> or you have been heard. Continue moving on with your life. Ten four would be something that we would just respond to very nonchalantly. Yep. All right. Dad heard me. I'm, I'm done. Okay. Yeah, that makes Love sense. Love you, Dad.
2: That makes sense. Um, of course, 10-deuce. That's the Doyle because- Well, that's
3: his favorite hand. And that's, that's, that's what hand- he won yeah, with. That's the hand he won with. Yeah. And, Still cannot stop thinking about the Doyle mural. Yeah, that was cannot awesome. stop thinking about that from Ohio. If you yeah. guys haven't seen it, check out the socials.
2: Yeah, very that, cool. that was incredible. They had
3: cool. All right, one more. Tell me one more. Um, you gotta have one more.
2: Uh, well, there's Ace King, which is Big Slick.
3: Ooh, City Slickers.
2: <laughs> Big Slick, or as I call it, Anna Kornakova. Because oh, <laughs> because yeah. it looks pretty, but it doesn't play very well.
3: <laughs>
2: Moving
3: on, really, uh, all of that is to say, Patreon members, the first six, we will not forget you, Kevin, especially very first one, Ed Gill, you are the first winner of any merch um, of Patreon members. So, but we, we have were- a
2: we have that game coming up on October fourth. Yes. So if you guys haven't joined already. Do it. Get in at the raise level Mm -hmm. so that you can play in that game. And uh, we're going to be giving away some more swag swag and prizes. prizes. So Mm -hmm. lots of opportunity for people to win.
3: Super pumped to be able to do that every month with any and all of you that would like to join. So the more the merrier. Can't wait.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, another thing that I want to talk about because... You know, I am a huge collector of baseball cards.
0: Oh,
3: how I know this. (laughs) Actually. Oh, if you only knew.
2: (laughs) Let's preface this a little bit. I have not bought a baseball card in years.
3: Yes, but you keep moving them.
2: I have so many. I have a lot of baseball cards. I
3: mean, we're talking a lot of baseball cards. Anyone listening is looking for a card, please contact Joe. We would love... (laughs) Yeah,
2: I would sell them for the right price, for sure. But uh, in that vein, Leaf has joined forces with Poker Royalty to release a set of poker trading cards.
3: Shut up.
2: Should we start collecting poker training um, cards?
3: N-O. (laughs) N-O, which in our house stands for not okay. But, I I mean, that immediately made me think of, like, how much gum am I going to have to chew to be able to get a Daniel Negrano card for your 50th birthday? (laughs) Your 50th birthday month is not over yet. so
2: That's true. I don't really celebrate for the month. But if you want to continue to give me something, I will take it. Yes. (laughs) So, details on the cards... Are pretty slim at this point. They just announced it, but we know that it's going to feature Daniel Negreanu, Of course. Phil Helmuth and our newest uh, WSOP champion, Daniel Weinman. Oh, cool. And that's
3: very cool.
2: Yeah. Um, there's going to be. Can you
3: imagine winning the WSOP and then and they come back to you a couple months later and say, and by the way, you're going to be on a poker card. Yeah. <laughs> I used to buy the X Men cards
2: what? This is a fact I never knew. What?
3: Yeah. Sixth grade. That was a big thing. And so of course, you know, me being the social one, I just wanted to be involved in the conversation. I could care less about (laughs) X-Men or any of the conversation. I just wanted the holographic card and I wanted to be able to trade them. And 100%, I had the notebooks and the little stupid um, plastic holders. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah! There was a
2: boy involved, wasn't there?
3: Absolutely, I was yeah. in sixth grade. <laughs> I don't even remember his name anymore, but it was important. <laughs> Very important at the time.
2: <laughs> so we don't know who all the players are going to be on these trading cards, but uh, there's going to be a total of forty.
3: How do we get them online or anywhere? Do you go to? Do, where do you go? Gas station? Walmart? Come on.
2: I I don't know all the details, oh. but we're, we're gonna. We're gonna keep everyone posted on this right. as time goes by. But well,
3: Leaf, if you're listening, we would love a set. Send, send us a pack to uh, let people know what they look like.
2: Um, it's gonna have autographs in there too. So, what? Yes, yeah, so like of the players, legit. Yeah, like the players. That's like very cool.
3: Like the golden ticket. Yeah. The golden yeah. ticket of poker <laughs> trading cards. Yeah. Okay. Cool idea. Well done. <laughs> well played.
2: I didn't know this, but they've actually had five. They've had five sets of poker trading cards. Again, Leaf, if you want to send us some.
3: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, obviously, we would love to see them. Um,
2: they had additions, so they had. But if
3: we get them, we're sending them to a Patreon
2: member. But that's actually that's that's a great idea. I'm serious. If we get some from Leaf, then then uh, it they will go to a Patreon member. So we
3: need two sets. Yeah. One to open and one to send.
2: Come on, Leaf. <laughs> All right. So the additions before were in 2006. 2009, 10, and 11. I don't know what happened between 2006 and 2009, but they didn't have cards. And they had celebrity poker players like Oh really? Brad Garrett, um, Jason Alexander, and Jerry Buss. But has Lou Diamond Phillips. I didn't even know Lou Diamond Phillips played poker.
3: Oh, my word.
2: From Longmire. Well, well from, he's in
3: a lot of things other yeah. than Longmire, but you and I watch Longmire.
2: Most notably is La Bamba.
3: Oh, yeah. Very cool. Well, looking forward to seeing what those look like and what they include.
2: So it's been a good trip so far. Yes. Uh, started in New Orleans. I, and I'll tell you what, that hair is in New Orleans. It doesn't look like it's very big because it's right there on the street. And,
3: and street- there's a lot of construction going on. As yeah. per usual, apparently, I talked to the Cajuns and they informed me that construction is pretty typical going on. All the time, so yes, there was a lot of construction going on in front of the Hilton and Harris and in that little area there. But I, I honestly didn't even go in with you because I thought, mm, yeah, this looked, is going to be kind of a
2: look a bust. Looked like it was tiny, but it you go in there and it it's much bigger than it looks. And they're doing renovations inside as well, so oh. they have construction going on inside and out. But. uh um, it said there was something big coming in twenty twenty four. So that'll be interesting well, to see. Well, and if what you're looking
3: is. for the poker room there, Joe informed me just look for where the construction is inside and go around the corner because it's kind of hidden behind construction. He even and...
2: I almost missed it. Yeah. Yeah. So no, the only way I found it was because I knew that it's near this sports book. Always. always. Yeah. <laughs> always. And so from there, we, we're down here in um, Biloxi now, like Biloxi, we said. Biloxi,
3: Mississippi. At
2: the Margarita Beau-Rivage. It's hot
3: everywhere, just so you know. And I know that, that true Cajuns are saying that the heat has broken, but it's hot down here still. Yeah, they,
2: th- we took an Uber to the Beau Rivage last night, and the Uber driver was like, it's cooled off. It's only it's only 84 degrees.
3: At 1130 at night,
0: by the way. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we also we ate at this really cool place called Mary Mahoney's. There was a lot of history there.
3: Oh, very very cool. Been there since um the French colonists.
2: Yeah, the the building was built in 1773, I think it said.
3: Yeah, very and, very unique. You got to sit in either one of five different rooms of the home and we were out on the back porch, closed-in back porch. Very family-oriented, also very heavily impacted by Katrina. They had markers of where the water rose during Katrina. It's been interesting to see the other areas that have been impacted by that and how they've recovered. This, I'll tell you, Biloxi is a little teeny tiny southern town, so it's got my heart. Uh, Really, really cool. The view of the sound is incredible. It's calm. It's a much different pace, obviously, from New Orleans. Nolens was... Fantastic, but it was pretty loud and bourbon-y. Bourbon-y? Bourbony, Bourbony. You know the Bourbon Street. It kind of just kind of still filters out everywhere. You so went there, right? I did I, very I early. I went at seven thirty at night. I was not. I was in conference mode, so I was yeah. not in uh, play mode, and I really just wanted to go and hear some jazz. So I did do that, and um, did not even get a drink on Bourbon Street. Actually, stayed stayed outside of. That area for the best. But yeah, probably. I mean, <laughs> um, but I did get a beignet at Cafe du Monde and had all of that experience as well. I have eaten my weight in seafood now that, um, that Joe has not been with me for the first couple of days because Joe does not enjoy anything that swims. if yeah, it, if it lives, lives in the water, in the water you're thing. not interested. If it swims, because cows swim, and you eat a lot of cow.
2: I don't know that they swim either, but. They. They get in the water. I don't know that they swim in the water. They're not like doing the breaststroke or anything.
3: (laughs) (laughs) All right. We've been a little all over the place. New Orleans was interesting. We're in Biloxi. We've had a fantastic time at the Beau Rivage. Beautiful casino. Really uh, great action going on there. Packed out. Live band. Lots of shopping if you're interested in that or your partner is when you travel. Did not get to see a room, but um, it is... Absolutely beautiful, and then we walked down the street to Hard Rock. Seemed a little dated, um, still yeah. really pretty property. It was Not... obvious
2: that most of the action is at Beau Rivage, but yes,
3: and they don't have a poker room in uh, Hard Rock, right. Or the, Golden, or the Nugget. Golden
2: Nugget, which is where we went. Also, the the cool thing about the Golden Nugget was that they went to great lengths to make it look exactly like the one in vegas
3: oh i know you said over and over and over again while we were in there i just feel like i'm gonna walk right out and be downtown
2: <laughs> yeah i felt like i was gonna see binions when i walk out the doors like it was cool yeah that was really cool from a nostalgic standpoint but again i mean there there's no poker room the tables were nice though the tables yeah. were very nice and we're going to go see uh Hera's here is here Just a little bit?
3: Yeah, on the way to Baton Rouge, because we've got our friends at La Berge in Baton Rouge have surprised us with some tailgating at the LSU Razorback game that is happening this weekend, and if you can't tell, I'm very excited.
2: (laughs) I've never been to a college stadium that holds that many people.
3: 110,000, double what we're used to at Virginia Tech, and um, I'm super, super intrigued to hear the sound. and experience all the the frenzy the energy it's, a, it's gonna be a big game and it's a six o'clock game yeah so that'll be
2: and um they're playing the Razorbacks
3: a huge yeah huge game yeah I cannot wait I've already got all my uh purple and gold ready
2: and we'll probably go up and visit that rooftop pool there In La at La yeah. and the bears and the bears
3: absolutely and
2: because just, as as Elle has mentioned it's
3: hot it's burning up it's burning <laughs> up hot but Down here. So, um, Patreon teammates, be on the lookout for lots of behind-the-scenes stuff. We've got some really cool things to share with you. Uh, Again, if you're interested in joining, patreon.com, Anti-Up Poker.
2: Patreon.com slash Anti-Up Poker. Fantastic. Yep. So, we move on. Elle, thank you again for joining me.
3: It's always a pleasure to be around the table with you. Likewise.
2: And... We'll see you guys next week.
1: Now it's time for Call the Floor with Elliot Schechter.
2: Elliot Schechter is the poker room manager for Rivers Casino in Schenectady, New York. He joins us each week to say how he would rule on situations that come up in your games. And he's with me again this week. Elliot, how are you? I'm doing very well, Joe. Things are
1: going well. We haven't been hacked unlike on one of our major competitors. So.
2: <laughs> that is <Yeah>. true. It's <laughs> looking good. The problems that they're having though are incredible. I saw a thing that said that they're losing something like nine million dollars a day or something. So
1: the range so. is six to twelve. So it's somewhere in there. Whatever yeah. it is, it's pretty significant.
2: Right. So uh we got an interesting call to the floor this week. Uh, it's sent in by Chaz Jarvis, and I actually met Chaz during the trip out to the Midwest, uh, and he's already (laughs) contributing to the show, so that's nice to see. Thank you, Chaz. But he says that he's been playing poker for a long time, and this is the most bizarre thing he's ever seen. Playing 2-5, action is four ways pre-flop with one player all in. He has king-king, and the flop comes king-five-five. Says, I bet $100 to open the side pot with 312 in the middle. And uh, he even throws in that we can uh, debate another time whether he should have slow played. Regardless, the two players with stacks, they fold and the dealer drops the stub onto the muck with the cut card on top and starts to push the main pot to him. One of the guys who folded says, wait, wait, wait and reminds the dealer she still needs to run the board because there's an all-in, so she promptly picks up the dropped stub and burns and deals a 10 for the turn and a deuce on the river. The all-in player begins to bring up some uncertainty about whether the proper cards were dealt. So, understandably, he calls the floor to protect his interests. He tables his hand, which is pocket ace's, And the floor decides to go to surveillance, instructs the dealer to hold the $306 in the main pot until the call can be made. Chaz says it's it's already late. It's just after midnight. So most of the table racks up and leaves. And the all-in player asked if he could withdraw his objection to let me have the pot in order to prevent the table from breaking. But by that point, Chaz says the surveillance wheels were already in motion. So his first question is, wouldn't a stub drop with cards yet to come always involve the floor? And he says, I really don't think the dealer should have proceeded, even though she was certain she recovered the correct stub. It happened pretty fast, but if I had thought quicker, I would have tried to stop her and gotten a floor before any turn and river were exposed. And he even goes on to say, I don't like promoting a lawyerly version of poker that breaks games, but I also don't like the idea of possibly getting the worst end of a dealer mistake. So that's the first question. He does say all's well that ends well. Surveillance confirmed that the dealer recovered the stub accurately, but I still wonder what they would have done had it proved inconclusive or found any irregularity. So, the next question is What would be the procedure then? Would declaring any kind of misdeal from that point of heads up ever be an option where we would have split the pot? So there's a lot there, <laughs> and I'll let you take it from there.
1: All right. This is an excellent submission. Uh, some of this is fairly basic, and some of this is pretty involved. So uh, let's get into it. The first question Should retrieval of the stub involve the floor emphatically yes (laughs) if only to protect the players and to make sure that everybody is proceeding under authority as opposed to the dealer just facilitating yeah when the deck is dropped you call the floor over the dealer the players help identify the actual live part of the deck you pick it up you move on right and in board games it's pretty simple It's not like everybody has to get their own cards. In stud games, dropping the deck is detrimental. (laughs) (laughs) Simply because, especially if it's mixed in with the muck, you just don't know what you're getting. When less than skilled dealers drop the deck, it's usually in one piece. Uh, The best dealers manage to spill the stub in such a way that it is fairly irretrievable if it's spilled into the muck. It's usually supposed to be spilled over the muck or... A lot of people, and I used to, as a dealer, spread the spread the remaining stub, fan it in your open space. Again, yeah, it's not supposed to be placed down as if it were a brick or a block or, or <laughs> an object unto itself. It's supposed to be uh, spread or spilled in some way to show that you actually are letting go of the deck and the chips fall where they may. Yeah, but calling the floor yes, the floor is supposed to decide when to pick up cards and, and continue dealing. That is not the dealer's decision, even though the dealer knew where the cards were. Uh, Whether this is a surveillance call, it almost never is, especially when it's spilled as as a complete stub and a block is just sitting there on top of the table or the muck. It's not too difficult to pick that deck of cards up and continue dealing where you left off. Right. Which brings us to the next part where the all-in player was trying to technicality his way out of losing this pot to the flopped kings full <laughs> and the run out of the board uh, zero sympathy here i mean it's tough you got aces you lose the kings that that is especially painful but uh, the cards were legitimately dealt even with the deck being dropped the way it was right nobody should feel bad about a surveillance call breaking your game once again if you need surveillance assistance you do the integrity of the game is more important than than continuing the game, especially if you're continuing the game over a possible bad outcome. You don't want that to happen.
2: If if they would have spread it, like you said, you know, properly, what what would be the ruling then? What would happen? I don't think I've ever seen a situation like that.
1: We're going to try to ascertain as much of the live section of the deck as possible. And hopefully the top of the deck. But it's not always the case. If you can't identify the absolute top of the deck, you know, you're going to, Try to retrieve as many live cards as possible. You shuffle those up, and you will continue the board run out, which is obviously the result that the all-in player was hoping for, giving them a chance to uh, spike one of the remaining two aces after they initially didn't come down for them. Uh, we're generally going to mix it up. We're almost we're never going to call it a miss deal. If that's the, if we call that a miss deal again, what's to stop every dealer who hates a particular player from from getting rid of the deck? every time they're all in with cards to come (laughs) and that's true so yeah we we can't just give the money back or split the pots or call it a misdeal in that spot that's never going to end well there's too much action people were dead out of the pot or raised out of the pot or left money in the pot and then were raised even even worse and then to say oh we're just going to split your money up amongst these people Uh, again uh, not a good outcome not desirable in any way completely unfair just can't happen right but yeah calling the floor is not what breaks the game it's obviously errors on the part of the dealers or the players that can end games right which is why we try to train them up enough so that they don't make egregious errors that's why we beg players to make their intentions clear it's disputes that end games it's not the time of the day or or the fact that the dispute is being resolved and ends a game so that point is just not correct
2: yeah and I think that if they would have like they said you know if they would have been able to call the floor before any of the cards were dealt then it would have gone quicker and maybe not have uh, broken the game either
1: it would have been much quicker it, it almost assuredly would not have involved surveillance right I mean the placing of the deck is not going to change the order of the cards and if it's intact you're picking it up and dealing so right Claiming that you can't identify it and that new cards need to be run is just not reasonable.
2: Let me go back to your point, though, of, you know, the dealer spreads that into the muck. What's the purpose of that?
1: Traditionally, you were supposed to uh, uh, spill the deck into the muck in such a way that nothing's retrievable. And that stems from the pre-shuffle machine days where you had to make sure that the deck and the cards were well mixed and to prevent them from being run up on you if a dealer is not commingling and intermingling all of the unused cards then it's very likely that that dealer is trying to make sure that one or more cards are going to be visually identifiable so that they know where to place them to start the next shuffle and hopefully keep them in the same spot so they can give those cards to whomever they want so intermingling and really, creating a muck at the end of the hand was essentially important for game security. So you couldn't place the cards and run up a deck on somebody. In the shuffle machine era, it's much less evident and needed. But let's face it, remember the biggest tournaments in the world, including the World Series, don't use shuffle machines on every table. There's just not enough shuffle machines in existence. Right. So this needs to be a standard practice on tables without a shuffle machine. Granted, a good many dealers can't deal the first card, so you don't have to worry about them dealing the second card. <laughs> so yeah, it's probably less of a concern, but it's still the reason why the rules exist and why those techniques and procedures exist. Uh, it's not just to, to be flashy or to be stubborn. Yeah, you're supposed to make sure that a muck is assembled not as a stack, right? but as a, a really unidentifiable and, and complete mess, so as to prevent cheating and tracking. Especially, I mean, in stud, you were obviously folding up cards. It made it much easier for dealers to identify which cards are which and to obviously uh, segregate those cards during a false shuffle and keep them in a place where they can be dealt to the player they're choosing as opposed to uh, securely in a shuffled and randomized pack. Right. So that is the purpose for intermingling and, and really spilling out the cards that way, which is fairly true. And it's faster, let's face it. I mean... If you're holding a deck of cards and you want to get that deck to the table intact, you're going to have to grab the deck, place it down, put the cut card away. Whereas if you want to just spill the deck into the muck, you're just going to literally just open up your fingers and tilt your hand down and the deck slides right into the muck. So it's faster that way too, right. not just slower. So there are many reasons. more efficient as far as keeping the game moving. And it's one less thing that you got to pay attention to. Uh, dealers... You shouldn't be using two hands to handle the deck once it's in their hand. Right. The only time that the hands come together is obviously when you're pitching the cards. You have to get the card off the stub. But once the stub's in a hand, you're not supposed to bring your other hand to that stub ever. (laughs) That makes sense too. Yeah. So yeah, spilling the deck is more efficient. Poker tables don't have discard racks. (laughs) It's a muck for a reason. It's called the muck. It's not just called the discard pile. It's a muck. And obviously... If you use almost any dictionary definition of muck, it is obviously quite a messy area, which is intentional. Right. When players cards, if you're running up the deck and stacking it so that you can get it to the shuffle machine quicker, which is bad, not good. uh, You're not giving the players a chance to get their cards lost. You're making it easier to identify hands, which only leads to more disputes. I want to see those cards or what cards are those? They should be lost. Ah, oh, I, I didn't mean to fold. Well, somebody throws you their cards and you get them lost, they can't get them back. Right. But if you've obviously set up your discard pile in such a way that everything coming to you is identifiable and retrievable, you're creating more trouble, not less. <laughs> that makes sense, yeah. So again, there's many reasons for, for making that muck as messy as possible and for getting rid of the deck as messily as possible. So again, Yes obviously that has fallen by the wayside in the shuffle machine error but it's not any less desirable yes
2: yeah, so Chaz that should clear things up I think that uh you know in the future the the best case is if you're calling the floor immediately that lessens all of that but uh but yeah that was definitely an interesting one thanks Chaz for sending that in and uh Elliot thank you again for being here
1: very welcome glad to glad to do it and thanks again Chad this was a good one. Yeah. We'll talk again next week. Absolutely looking forward to it. Let's break it down with hand of the week.
2: Here we are with another hand of the week with Patrick. How you doing Patrick? Joe I'm good man how are you? I'm good I'm in my secret location. And uh, (laughs) met up with Elle out here in uh, New Orleans. So this is a tiny little uh, hotel room. So I was trying to find a spot that didn't look like my bed, basically. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big bed and a small room. The trip's been great. The trip's been good. Uh, I got here on Tuesday. We went to eat on Lake Pontchartrain, which was cool. Nice. I haven't had a chance to do a lot of stuff, but it's it's a cool city. I don't know that I don't know how much there is to do because I haven't had a chance to really venture out. But I'm gonna take a walk around the city after this hand of the week.
4: <laughs> Sounds good.
2: Speaking of hand of the week, it is sent in this week by Rick Merritt. And he's playing. Right. He's playing one two live. He has three hundred and sixty in his stack. And
4: good stack, Rick. All right. Yeah,
2: yeah. So if you bought in for two hundred, you're doing all right. I don't know if that's what your buy in was, but uh, if so, you're doing all right. In this particular hand, there's two limpers that gets to the villain on the button, and he raises it up. To twenty dollars, it folds to us in the small blind with Jack of Clubs, Ten of Clubs. How do you proceed?
4: I'm probably going to call.
2: Yeah, I think that's a that's pretty typical right there to to make that call. Rick three bets to sixty dollars, which I, I like the Oof. three bet. All right. I like I like the three bet out of position. And, but if you're going to 3-bet, I think you could even go bigger than 60, but I think I think that that's okay, and it looks like it gets us the heads up because it folds back around to the button who makes the call. Uh, you know, we get rid of those limpers, which is a good idea. I don't know, they may have folded to the 20 anyway, but I like the idea of taking control there out of position.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Out of position, you, you do that there, and you get rid of the limpers for sure, no matter what, so... Yep. That works. So there should be, I think,
2: 126, 2-4, the two limpers and the big blind. So 126 in the pot, and the flop is the ace of hearts, ten of spades, eight of
4: spades. So what do you do with that? Okay. Just got middle pair. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm not... I'm not feeling as aggressive as I, as I want to be but um I probably go with like th- 35. So there's 126 quarter pot quarter of pots um you know you got middle pair. Yeah. What are your thoughts?
2: I think you could get a little bit tricky here. So many times uh, a C-bet's coming from the aggressor and I'm always preaching that you want to get information yeah. from the opponent. And in this case, I'm not sure that a a continuation bet is going to do what we want to get that information because it happens so often. And since we have middle pair, I think I would get a little tricky. I'd do a delayed C bet. So I would check here. If they put in the bet, then we can reevaluate. But check here and then plan on betting on any turn card. Makes sense. Rick does C bet. He bets to 50. So, okay, a little less than half pot, right? And the button calls. Yep. Which should put, like, 226 in there. And the turn is the queen of spades.
4: Well, there's your three spades, if there's yep. out there. We do have a straight draw. Yes, we do. Um... So, Rick, if we're playing Rick's hand, so the pot's 226, he already bet 50. See, here's where I would check. Yeah, I get that. That's where I would go, and just to see what would end up happening. Yeah. yeah.
2: I think the beauty of a delayed C bet is that it looks strong for that particular card, right? So, the the downside is that now our opponent can remove, like, ace-queen from our hand, probably, but we still have king-queen in our hand that's possible. Uh, Queen-jack suited, which opens up the straight uh, another straight draw as well. So uh, maybe we get some folds that wouldn't have folded to, a, to the seabed on the flop. That's the beauty of that. But Rick checks. So you guys are along the same lines. And the button checks back. Ooh, okay so we still have two twenty six in the pot, and another queen comes, the yeah. queen of clubs. So our board is, ace of hearts, ten of spades, eight of spades, queen of spades, queen of clubs.
4: See, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure figure out what we're making the villain out to be. I mean, definitely doesn't have an ace, you know. If he had king queen, he probably bets there. If he's got you know queen jack or queen ten or queen anything, he bets there. You know maybe he's got you know jacks. Maybe he's got kings. Is that a fair assessment? I mean that's kind of my thought. Like, yeah, I don't know, but you know maybe um, if
2: if he had kings, I feel like he might have uh, pushed a little bit more pre flop uh, when we three bet, he may a four bet. But maybe not. I would lean more toward the medium sized pairs, like you were talking about, like jacks, uh, nines, something like that.
4: Yeah. Uh, so you know if we're if we're making them on jacks, you know he's he's got us. You know if we're making them on nines, and we've got him, you're you're probably right on the kings. He probably pushes the envelope a little bit more, or even maybe there on the on the turn, right? You know, because we don't bet with a queen. He he probably pushes the action a little bit more there. You know, I... Unless we're definitely making them out on jacks, I'm probably pushing the action a little bit here. So, so 226 in the pot, I'm probably going... I'm probably going to bet 100. A little less than half pot. I feel confident, but not, you know, overly confident. Um, I don't know if that's enough. I don't know if that says enough. But that would be my bet.
2: Okay. Yeah, I feel like... <laughs> <laughs> and that's a scary board and you can look at that two ways right that's scary for yes, us it or is. it's scary for them so i th- i feel like the world just got there <laughs> yeah you you either bet here and hope that you can get a fold because it looks scary to them or you just give up on the hand and it looks like rick gives up on the hand because he checks
4: which is, not, which is probably a good bet, too, to be honest. <laughs> the When he
2: checks, the button bets $250. So what do we do with that? See ya. Have a nice spot. Enjoy. <laughs> yeah. He does say Villain is a solid opponent, capable of some bluffs. So he says he's capable of some bluffs, but I couldn't come up with many at the time. After the evening was over and I was driving home, I thought of some bluffs, but I feel like I'm being more results-oriented because I folded and he showed pocket fours.
4: No. Fours.
2: (laughs) Pocket fours. Well. Yeah. He, I really, if you're not the one that led out on the river, I don't think you can call No,
4: I absolutely not.
2: And I think the villain knows that. Yeah, for sure. That's why he pushed the... I think the villain knows that. And that's why he bets. Yeah. All, I mean, let's see. All the Broadway hands got there. The flush draw beats us. If they have any queen, we're in trouble. It sucks, but I. you either have to be the one to to lead out or you have to fold there.
4: Yeah, well, let me ask you this: as the as the hand was played, uh, as the hand was played with by Rick, once you get to the turn and you both check, is is a decent sized bet, and maybe a hundred's not. I'm not giving myself you know credit on this one because you know Monday morning quarterback is what we do. But if we both check on the turn and we get to the Queen of Clubs that comes out on the on the river, right? If you lead out with a bet there, like a hundred or maybe a hundred and fifty, thinking you've got you know middle pair with queens, you know two pair, is is that that bad of a bet? I mean, obviously, if he comes back, he's got jacks or you know, even if he was you know playing a, a slow playing a kings or something like that, then yeah, you know, you're going to end up losing. But you know, is that that bad of a bet to go you know hundred or a hundred and fifty, you know, to kind of see what's what in that instance?
2: I don't think it should be a, to see what's what, but um, if you want to lead out there because you think you have the better hand or you can get them to fold, yeah. I mean, that has to be your plan. And then if they, if they come over the top, then you can reevaluate, but, but no, I think it's a good bet to come out on the river. I, what I don't like and, and, you know, again, hindsight's 2020, but what I don't like is the overbet of the pot. So there was 226 in the pot, and the villain bet 250. I think if if we slow down and really think about that, then we have to think, why is he betting more than is in the pot? And then you f- start to feel like, well, he's he's wanting to get a fold out yeah. of that. So maybe, again, you we can say that looking back on it, but in the moment does that scream strength i don't know i don't know i don't think if i'm the one if i'm playing as if if i'm playing as rick played it and we check and the button bets that i'm probably folding
4: because like i said all of the things got there <laughs> yeah yeah it's too scary of a board not to to call that one with what we have but if you push the action ahead of time you know you know maybe maybe you do get the fold that you want to anyways you know and and maybe you do look at it's it's an almost an impossible call because like you said everything hits but you know looking back you know is he overcompensating for something or not so
2: yeah i think i think you had it right to lead out on the river and then you can reevaluate but i think even if he ca- if he Puts more in the potties only calling. So you win the hand that way. Yeah. So,
4: yep, yeah, tough hand.
2: But yeah, it is. It is. Rick, I really appreciate you sending that in. If anybody else has a hand of the week that they would like Patrick and I to break down, send it to podcast at com. And Patrick, appreciate you.
4: You are very welcome, my friends. Enjoy the rest of uh, Louisiana and, uh, Off to to where next? Biloxi?
2: Yep. Um, Biloxi tomorrow, or today, and then uh, Baton Rouge
4: tomorrow. Very nice. Enjoy the rest of your trip. We'll hear about it next week. Sounds good. It's time for Joe's
3: One Outer.
2: During last week's Table Talk, I brought up a post that I came across about whether poker is dead or dying. That sparked some more discussion, and I want to take it a little further. I focused on tournament poker crushing guarantees and attendance records, but what about cash games? We all know cash games are a completely different beast when compared to tournaments. Tournament poker has always been more flashy than the grinder sitting in a cash game, but that's even more of a factor now. The gap between players has gotten significantly smaller, and the stakes offered have decreased partly due to the significantly better players and the knowledge of bankroll management. So the cash game scene does look a little different. Not surprisingly, casinos want to focus on the slot machines and the table games that they have an edge in, but that just means poker might look a little different. Poker's been around in some form for hundreds of years. People played it on the battlefields and in every basement, living room, or dining room. It's not dying. Sure, it might look a little different than it did in 2005, but there are still poker clubs popping up and home games that are going strong. The different variations of games continues to grow as well. The question is, who wants to be the one to cater to those players? Because right now it's harder and harder to find places that want to do that. But here's my advice to the ever popular poker clubs out there. If you build it they will come. That's today's One Outer, and that's today's show. I'll see you next week, A-Team. And until then, I'll see you at the tables.
1: The Annie Up Podcast is a production of AnyUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcasts at AnnieUpMagazine.com or call the show at 540-339-7741. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to editor at anyupmagazine.com.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone.